0: Thank you for joining this second Short Take episode on Exploring the World. We are still in Korea, and today we are going to look at Seoul in particular, along with the 1988 Olympics. Next week, we'll be more in-depth on tourist attractions and the DMZ. This is an exciting episode. We have our first guest on the podcast. My friend, Ken Bryson, who was stationed in Korea when I was, is joining us today. I hope you will enjoy hearing from others' perspectives and experience integrated into the journey. I am working to get more guests on the regular episodes as well. Seoul is a fascinating city. Today, it is not in the top ten in the population, however, it has been in the top three in the past. Interestingly, the largest religion practiced in Seoul is Christian, something I was surprised to learn. The city is both old, And new. There are parts of the city where there are large groups of old-style homes with ceramic tile roofs. Many of these homes are still heated with Ondal. It's the underfloor heat method. The benefits are that the floors are nice and warm, keeping in mind that traditional homes either have chairs low to the ground or people sit on decorative pillows on the floor, including at tables for dining. The negative side is that they take a long time to heat up and can be dangerous. Over the past several decades, homes have transitioned to more typical heating most of us are familiar with today. Central City itself has high skyscrapers, modern shopping centers, beautiful gardens throughout the city, and flowers are almost everywhere. The subway system is complex and covers most of the city. It's very easy to use. I'm posting photos of both the subway and currency called won. In 1988, there were more traditional areas of the city as one might expect. Having been there recently in 2017, we see companies like LG, Samsung and Hyundai, and the city and country has become not only more prosperous, it's become an economic powerhouse, as I'm sure you know. There are so many tourist attractions in Seoul, from the gates which were used as entrances to the city, to museums of both art and history, there's Seoul Tower and many amazing palaces. Perhaps one of my favorite areas of Seoul is the Buchan Hankook village. That showcases traditional architecture and restaurants. The picture of my huge lunch that I had on my birthday is in the episode pictures. It is important to go to the Museum of Korean History. I admit that I didn't know a lot about the history of Korea and the Japanese occupation. Learning was both eye-opening and brought up visual feelings even though I didn't experience it and learned about it for the first time. On Korea Liberation Day, August 15th, the museums are packed with school children and citizens. It's a typical destination for Korean citizens to visit on that day, in a similar way that Americans visit the National Archives. And remember, next week we're going to focus on more tourist attractions in detail. While talking about Korean children, this is one of the first observations that I made. Growing up in America, in a homogeneous white town, I knew I didn't look like others. Seeing children playing, going to school, and living in their culture made me wonder and think about how different that is. Some children looked like pictures of me as a youngster. It was indeed interesting to observe. The picture of the girl painting a building that is posted is one that I took and won a prize for in the Air Force photography contest. I loved seeing the children around Seoul and everywhere I went in Korea. Children playing, showing incredible camaraderie walking to school, in their uniforms, or just being out with Oma and apa or Mom and Dad. My Korean Hangul skills have waned over the years, so forgive my weak pronunciation. Of course, many tourists flock to the shopping areas, whether Zitaewon, Myeongdong, Namde Mun Gate or Guanghua Gate, there is something for everyone. Shopping in the latte or galleria has anything you want to shop for in an environment that rivals any in the world. Shopping at Myeongdong or Hitewan has store shops, street shopping, and restaurants on bustling streets. The gates have more open-air shopping with hundreds of proprietary shops that can sell almost anything you imagine. It's incredibly fun in each of the areas and a chance to experience the world of Seoul and Korea. Ken is not only one of the most talented artists I know, he is a photographer extraordinaire. We'll have some of his shots along the way. My first question for Ken is, what is the most interesting thing you photographed in Seoul?
1: I've had the opportunity to take photographs in multiple places around the world and I love photography. And I always get that question of, you know, what was the most interesting thing that you saw or photographed or experienced? And it's, it's, hard, to put, uh, it's hard to put a finger on. But I will tell you that in Korea, what was most interesting when I went out on my camera in hand and looked through the viewfinder was to take still images of a culture and a place And the common things to those that live there that seemed wondrous and uncommon to me. And to me, that is is what international travel is all about. Getting out of your comfort zone and seeing how other people live and how that culture is different than your own. And the end result being your appreciation of both their culture and love of yours.
0: Thank you, Ken. Capturing Korea and Seoul in particular on film is great fun, creating memories that we get to share, and I thank you for sharing them here. Even that there are nearly 2 million more people than New York City, it's easy to get around Seoul. Subways can be crowded, and shopping districts are full of people from all over the world, and that's part of the unique experience that you'll see in Seoul. During busy periods, the subway can be very crowded, and not more so than I've experienced anywhere else. They can be nose-to-nose. When I travel, seeing a sea of people in markets and popular local areas is quite amazing. It's bustling with activity and excitement. While it's the norm in places like Seoul, it's also very manageable. Bring a little patience, and most of all, your sense of adventure. While I like tourist attractions, I like to explore the real parts of a country of where local people live, work, and play. I was stationed at Osan Air Base during the 1988 Seoul Olympics and Paralympics. What a time to be there. In fact, a group of us decided at the last minute to go try to see some events and we we got into some of the most popular venues like swimming and track and field. We saw Florence Griffith Joyner, known as Flojo, win gold and saw Ben Johnson's run before being disqualified. We also saw the U.S. win gold in swimming. It was really amazing and electric to be in the stands. Ken, what was it like for you going to the
1: Olympics in 88? I look back at my time at the 1988 Olympics as being something wondrous. If I had thought that I would just go before I went to Korea, I would have been excited, looking forward to it, anticipating. But while being in Korea, having the opportunity to go just seemed to fall into place. And the events we got to see and experience were hard to describe. All I can really say is, If you get an opportunity to do something or be somewhere or experience something like the Olympics, then you've just got to do it. And we were extremely fortunate to be able to see multiple events at the Olympics during a time that uh, I don't think we'll see again. Korea was growing, becoming more modern, and we were there at the right time. And I loved every minute of it.
0: Thanks Ken. While I visited several Olympic venues that became tourist attractions well past the Games, this was the only Olympics that I attended in person. It was very exciting to cheer for both American teams and Korean teams. Pictures are posted of some of the events. Even at the spur of the minute decision to go, we had great seats at all the venues we attended and we got a hotel. During the Olympics, the Korean government wanted to put on its best to showcase the country and asked citizens to be on their best behavior with billboards and signs. In addition, they allowed vehicles on the main highways alternatively based on whether your license plate ended with an even or odd number. Since we had USFK plates, we were exempt and able to drive up with ease. The Holt wheelchair basketball team honored me by giving me an honorary coach for the Paralympics. It truly was just honorary. I can barely make a basket standing up. My shooting percentage was much higher when I learned from the athletes how to shoot a basket from a wheelchair. The Paralympics always followed the Summer and Winter Olympics. This started with the 1988 Seoul Olympics. The 1988 mascot was so cute. The gumduri is derived from the Korean word for teddy bear. You'll see a photo posted and I think you'll agree, it's really adorable. This was the first year that Korea fielded a wheelchair basketball team that trained at Holt because they had the facilities and many were affiliated with the orphanage. The USA team did win gold that year, but after the games ended, Grandma Holt gave the Korean team an amazing talk With pride and support. Today's Short Take Travel Tip is the best way to pay for things when traveling overseas. It doesn't matter much which country you go to, the advice is pretty much the same. First, don't carry too much cash. Pay in the host country currency because that will keep your exchange rate steady. Next, you'll want to get your currency in-country. Most airports take credit cards and more and more have Uber, so you may not need cash until you get out of the airport. If you do, get as little as possible. I actually have a funny story about obtaining Korean won in a large quantity for a very large purchase in a future episode. If you have a fee-free credit card for international use, of course, use those. You'll get a better exchange rate. Same for getting local currency. Use your debit card, but look for it at a national bank, not an international bank. The exchange rate will be far better. Remember to let your credit card and debit card holder know you're traveling. While some cards follow you, most don't, and they'll need to know that you're going. You may also want to ask for a temporary increase in either credit limit or withdrawal limit, as most institutions have a daily limit. Or ATM cards. Many will require notification or the charges will be refused. I've had that happen. If you run into a problem, some banks have in-country phone numbers and many will accept a collect call from their customers while overseas. I've even asked hotels to, to allow me to call the bank at the front desk and they've been very supportive. When all fails, I've used Skype to make a 1-800 call. It costs two or three bucks, which is far less than a hotel call. Good luck and happy traveling. As mentioned, the next short take will be more tourist sites and the DMZ, and the tip next week will be using your American mobile phone overseas. Come back on Thursday for the next regular episode. We'll have another special guest. We'll, ex- we'll explore attempts at ingenuity with my chores, experiences at school, and my perspective of why I and other Asian Americans have challenges in America that are unique from other groups. I look forward to sharing with you. Thank you again to Ken Bryson for joining me in this episode. We had such a wonderful time exploring Korea together. I'm hoping for more stories from Ken in the future, as well as new guests to participate in the podcast. Until next time, have a super week. The Boy in the Trash Can podcast is a production of CSJ Associates.